Hello, and welcome to Beyond the To-Do List, the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This week, I am talking with Peter Shankman, producer of the Faster Than Normal podcast, who has just come out with a brand new book called Faster Than Normal, Turbocharge Your Focus, Productivity, and Success with the Secrets of the ADHD Brain. If you've ever listened to this podcast before, you've probably heard other people, such as Ryan McRae, talk about ADHD on this show. But the reason for talking about this, in my mind, is twofold. Number one, I have it, and I was diagnosed with it prior to the smartphone. Which brings me to point two, that a lot of people exhibit signs of ADHD, though not diagnosed, because of the smartphone, in my mind. Now, that may be a quick blanketed statement, judgment, whatever you want to call it. However, a lot of us are dealing with the symptoms of it because of the technology that we use day in and day out, which is why, not just for my own ADHD sake, I wanted to bring you Peter. Because, as his book's subtitle promises, you can turbocharge your focus and productivity and success with the secrets of the ADHD brain. And since I figure, hey, since most of us are exhibiting the signs of that at this point anyway because of technology, why not, whether you have ADHD or not, tap into those superpowers? I know you're going to find at least one thing that you can pull out from this episode that will turbocharge your focus. Before we get to that conversation, I want to say thank you to Formstack for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List, especially having ADHD. It can be hard to get me to fill out an online form, but I'm not the only one. It can be like pulling teeth to get customers and employees to fill out online forms and gather the information that you desperately need from them. And if you find that the form isn't working and you want to make quick changes, you got to go to your development team and then make changes that way. And that can hold up the whole process. And this is where Formstack comes in because Formstack offers a way to make amazing and simple, easy to use branded forms in minutes. You can collect that data no matter what you're using it for. If it's customer service or customer feedback, receiving payments and donations, lead generation, or even just a plain old regular survey, Formstack will help you by helping to automate your workflow, by connecting with over 40 apps like MailChimp or PayPal. They even have form conversion tools to help you gather data insights and achieve your goals faster. And they're HIPAA compliant, so their forms are as secure as you need them to be. Go to formstack.com slash beyond for a free trial and receive a promo code for 25% off your first three months. Again, you got to try out Formstack. It's at formstack.com slash beyond for your free trial and get a promo code for 25% off your first three months. It's a great deal. It's a great service. Go check it out. And thank you again, Formstack, for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Now enjoy this conversation with Peter Shankman. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome Peter Shankman to the show. Welcome, Peter. Hey, good to be here. Thanks. So you've got a brand new book out, which is right up my alley. It's all about turbocharging your focus and productivity and success with the secrets of the ADHD brain. It's called Faster Than Normal. I like going that fast. Well, that's sort of the story of my life. I don't, you know, I, I, 
I think that uh, for years I thought my middle name was, you know, or my last name was Slow Down because I just I go, I go, I go, hi, I'm Peter, and they go, Slow Down. So let's talk about this. I, I think that even though in the book you're talking, and, and even the title is talking about the secrets of the ADHD brain. The book's not for specifically ADHD people, although, again, being one of those people, it really helped me and really opened up my eyes to some places maybe I'd kind of gone blind spot to uh, in terms of my process and things. It's not just for those people. It's for everybody. It's for, hey, ADHD people tap into this by accident or have the ability to maybe in an easier way, but everybody can. I appreciate that. Uh, the fact that it helped you makes me makes me thrilled. But no, the book really is um, for everyone. It's for anyone who really wants to get three hours a day of productivity back in their lives. You know, we we are asked to do so much more with so much less now. Um, whether you know the, the time that we used to spend sort of getting ready for our day, getting for the next day, right, has now been sort of taken over by Facebook, you know, or by social media, or by or by twenty four hour news cycles or things like that. And so. We have this this concept that I created that 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 you can actually train your brain to to get to be more productive and to do more uh, beneficial things for you. Um, you know, it came out of ADHD, but yeah, it really is for everyone who sort of uh, finds themselves with a little less time than than they used to have. So I, I think one of the cool things for us maybe to do would be let's let's take a trip inside your brain as scary as that might be real quick like what goes on in your brain so that people can kind of see and i have a little bit of a an inkling with of what where you can go with this but i think sometimes people who don't have it don't understand what it is and i don't want to go all clinical or psychological but like just kind of your experience what has that been like yeah, so I'm not a doctor, and I, I, I make sure to say it up front. I'm the furthest thing from a doctor, but what I do know is that I am a three-time uh, entrepreneur with three successful exits under my belt, and um, I believe that my ADHD is a part of that, if not one of the main reasons for my success. So in my head, ADHD is simply my body's inability to create the same amount of dopamine, serotonin, and adrenaline, or the happy chemicals, the chemicals that we use to focus and that we use to sort of get through the mundane stuff we have to do. And so because of that, um, I have figured out ways to sort of trick my brain into making those chemicals uh, without uh, the need for drugs or without the need for stimulants or, or, or things of that nature. It turns out that there are a ton of ways to do that in the real world if you just allow yourself to. And so it's been very beneficial because once I figured out how to do that, it allowed me to sort of use the speed of my faster brain, the, 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 all the things about ADHD that we actually love, the deep focus, the ability to multitask on multiple things at the same time. All these things are great, but if we don't know how to control them, it's kind of like driving a Lamborghini when, for the first time at top speed when we've only driven, you know, like Kia, right, or Honda for the past like 20 years. You know, if we don't know how to use it, we're going to crash into a tree. So I've sort of, without even realizing it, have spent the past 20, 30, 40 years figuring out a way to drive my brain at the fastest speed it could go, which turns out is a lot faster than regular people. Yeah, so maybe instead of being a bull in a china shop, you're like Superman in a power in a china shop who doesn't know how to use his powers. Pretty much, yeah. I'm something in a china shop. I, you know, what I always <laughs> equate it to. I equate it to the. Uh, remember the TV show? I don't know how old you are. Remember the TV show, The Greatest American Hero? Totally. Um, okay, so great TV show came out in the '80s. William Cat, and his whole thing was like he got this space suit, this this superhero suit from the space Martians, but he lost the instruction book. Right. And so he had to make it up as he went along. Remember, he'd take off and then he'd try to land and crash into a wall or something like that. That's what I've been doing all my life is trying to figure out how to land and trying to figure out how to do this stuff without having an instruction book. And I've sort of had to make it up as I go along. Basically, life has been not just 
coping with it or, or treating it necessarily, but leaning into it and learning how to use it as a superpower. Yeah. And, you know, with that comes the trials and the errors of it. You know, growing up in school, I was always the kid who was making jokes or speaking out in class or talking at <laughs> a turn or whatever. And that that got me, you know, not a lot of uh, success uh, from the teachers. Um, and it got the crap kicked out of me multiple times uh, by the students. But I learned sort of how to control that over time. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really all about trial and error. But I think it's I think I finally got a handle on it. Let's talk about like some of the basic attributes of the ADHD brain that, again, you can learn to, uh, you know, not run and hide from, but lean into and use as this super lever or leverage for getting even more done, like super focusing slash drifting off. Yeah. So one of the things I've realized about myself is that I have um, I have two speeds, right? I don't have a middle ground. There is no moderation. I, I don't do moderation. You know, it, there are these people who can buy. Uh, they can order a pizza and it gets delivered and they have two slices and they put the rest in the fridge for tomorrow. I, I, I don't – leftover pizza is not a thing for me, right? And so because of that, I've had to learn sort of exactly what to do with my brain to get uh, – to, to, to sort of compensate for that lack of moderation. So I can't – I don't have a day in my life that starts without working out. I have to work out to do something, right? It doesn't have to be this hardcore everything, you know, every single day, but I have to do something. This morning – um, I was up at 4.45 in the morning and I got on my spin bike in my bedroom and I did an hour, right? Something that changes the brain chemistry in my head and kicks up the dopamine, kicks up the serotonin, kicks up the adrenaline and lets me have a day where I, I have those chemicals, where I can focus, where I can do what I need to do. Uh, if I don't do that, I'm off, right? I'm not as focused. I'm not as controlled. I'm not as uh, driven to do the things I like to do. So for me, uh, exercise is key. The other key for me is elimination of choice. For me, it's something like, uh, you know, my closet. I have two sides to my closet. One side uh, literally is labeled. It says uh, office or travel. And the other side is labeled. It says speaking or TV. The office or travel side has a T-shirt and jeans. Speaking and TV side has a button-down shirt, uh, jacket, and jeans. And that's it, right? I, all my suits, my vest, all that stuff is in another room, in another closet. Because if I had it there... Oh, I remember that vest. You know, Laura gave me that vest. I wonder how she's doing. I should give her a call. I wonder what's... It's three hours later. I'm naked in the living room on Facebook. I haven't left the house. So you have to set up these systems that work for you, that allow you to use the time you have at the most productive way possible. Once you do that, you find yourself with this extra time that you can then use to focus on the things that actually matter in your life. With you talking about the clothing and eliminating options, a lot of people just went to, oh, yeah, Steve Jobs, Black Turtleneck, eliminate decisions. But that's the bare minimum of that choice. You're talking, no, not trailing down rabbit holes when it comes to making the choices. Exactly. You know, there's a there's the when I write, I have five books out. Uh, two of them are well, four of them are out. One of them was out faster than normal comes out in October. I have written the past four of them entirely on airplanes, not like half at home and half on an airplane. But like my last book that came out, Zombie Loyalists, it was a business book. I had six months to write it. I did all the research the first three weeks. And then I did nothing um, until about two weeks on deadline. And my, my editor calls me and she's like, hey, you have two weeks left. How's the book going? I'm like, oh, it's great. Not a problem. I hung up the phone and I hadn't written anything. I booked a flight the very next day. I went on the United Airlines website and booked a flight the very next day to Tokyo, round trip in business class. Um, got on the plane armed with my jacket, a laptop, my power cord, and headphones. I sat down, we took off, I wrote chapters one through five on the flight out. We landed, I went through immigration, I went outside, I took a breath of fresh air, I came back inside, I went back to immigration, I went to the lounge, I had a cup of coffee, I got back on the same plane, same seat, 
Two hours later, I wrote chapters six through 10 on the flight home and I landed with a book. Now you tell that to people and they go, dude, you spent $5,000 to go nowhere. Like, no, I spent $5,000 to write a book because in my mind, it was totally and completely worth every penny. And here I am with a best-selling book. So once you realize that just because other people think it's crazy, if it works for you, it's not crazy, that works for me. So you have to understand yourself first and foremost before you can tap into these powers. That is a crazy story, but I totally admire it. I am somebody who I don't go on flights that are that long. And for me, I kind of conserve my energy for where it is I'm going and what I'm doing there. Instead of doing the work on the plane, I've found that just the the buzz of everybody being around me and I mean, it's worse than a coffee shop. So for me, I know that doesn't work, but for you that works. And I'm, that's really cool to hear. See, it's funny you say that because for me, um, when I'm in a coffee shop, there's a million different things I could do when you're in a plane, basically yeah. no one, no one wants to talk to you, right? It's not like I'm going to get up and go, you know, go outside. Right. Or in, and even with the internet on flights, it's not like I'm going to, you know, do some hardcore surfing. So for me, I don't have a choice. All I could do is write. And so I take all that energy. I get a workout in before I get on the plane. I take all that energy and I just, I just laser focus it. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's probably a comfort issue thing where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so cramped. Just get me out of here. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a thing. So that takes over a little bit more. But uh, you mentioned getting up and doing workouts first thing in the morning. You've got a cool hack that also eliminates choice when it comes to that by sleeping in your gym clothes. Yeah, I sleep in my gym clothes. And it sounds crazy, but when you think about it, what do I normally wear? Normally, if I wasn't in my gym clothes, I'd, I'd wear a, you know, like a, like a T-shirt or a pair of shorts or boxer yeah. shorts or whatever. So all I'm doing is sleeping in workout shorts and a, and a shirt and socks. And when I get up, my shoes or my bike shoes are right at the base of my, my, my bed. I put them on before I do anything else, right? It is very, very hard to do anything else uh, once you're in your gym clothes. It's quite simple. For me, it's, it's as easy as um, knowing that I have to do it, I get it done. And that's hard for a lot of people to, to grasp as a concept. It's like, yeah, I know what I need to get done, but I'm so good at not doing it, even when I know it. Yep. So. And it's true. But again, I think that at the end of the day, if you, if you stop thinking about it and just do it, like I could talk myself out of anything. If I had to work at the end of the day, right? If I had to work at mm. the end of the day, or work out at the end of the day, rather, I'd come up with 30 reasons why I couldn't. Well, you know, there's a supposed to be a asteroid that might pass by Jupiter. I should stay in front of my computer just in case, right? I'll, I will figure out a way to not do it, right? I'm really good at talking myself out of stuff. Yeah. And at that point, you've got that decision fatigue that's already set in from the course of the day anyway, versus first thing in the morning, your brain's not fully awake yet. But if it knows, oh, there's just this automatic first thing I do, no matter what, habitually that you've worked into your routine, then you're not going to fight it as often. Exactly. Exactly. It's so true. And once the thing about routines is that, you know, resolutions fail, but rituals succeed. Once you get a ritual going, it's a lot easier. Yeah. So let's talk about this. So resolutions, what's your, um, I mean, you're talking January 1st, traditional, like I'm going to stop doing this or I'm going to, I'm going to flip a switch and my life's going to be completely different type huh. resolutions, right? Right. But rituals are more, I don't know. Well, how do you, how do you describe, uh, rituals? For me, my, my premise on the ritual is that I will um, focus on doing – focus on the outcome, right? So what do I want to happen? I want to feel great at the end of the day, and I know that if I work out first thing in the morning, I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's back that up. So how do I do that? Well, what happens if I don't work out? Well, I'm probably not going to have that great of a day. I'll oversleep. The alarm will go off. I won't answer. And then I'll be rushed all day, and I won't be- – so you, know, you sort of play that tape forwards, and you understand that if I want to feel that way, I have to do – if I want to feel Y, I have to do X, right? And once you start to think about that – 
it's not like, yeah, I want to lose 20 pounds tomorrow. It's I want to feel in a better mood today and go from there. Right. And so I want to feel in a better mood today and tomorrow and the next day. And over time, one of the nice benefits of that, I'll lose 20 pounds. Right. But you got to figure out a way to sort of break it into chunks. There's a great, um, what's the quote? Um, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. Right. So every, you break everything into tiny little chunks and then it makes it a lot easier to um, sort of get through it. it you're, not, you're not looking at this massive wall you have to climb. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a lot of what people that, you know, are, are traditional. Here's how you set your goals. It, it's all about, okay, well, yeah, figure out what that lofty thing is, that mountaintop thing that you want to get to. But don't just say, and, and then I think that's what the, re, the, the resolutions are like. It's like, I am going to step outside on January 1st and climb the mountain. And they don't think, oh, wait, it's a step at a time, day exactly. after day, over the course of the year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I had a person, um, Ryan McRae, another ADHD person, uh, at the oh, beginning of this year. Yeah, Ryan was on, and he talked about actually making resolutions and, and why you should, but he's talking about it the same way that you are. And so, really, he was kind of Trojan-horsing a, a way around resolutions as we traditionally talk about them and really was saying, no, dude, it's, it's all about knowing yourself and creating the rituals that are going to eventually get you to that resolution outcome, but without as much stress. Yeah, no question about it. You know, at the end of the day, I know that I'm not, um, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and win an Ironman, right? I, I, I know that. But I also know that uh, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll do another bit of training. And so that next month when I have my half Ironman in Atlantic City, I'll do well. Right? right. So everything, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite movies, is the movie Contact, um, where, where the, the father looks at a young Jody Foster who wants to do everything all at once. And he just looks at small moves, Ellie, small moves. Oh, that's a great quote. I haven't heard that. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I've forgotten that quote, quotes in there. I'm going to have to go rewatch that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll do it right now. No. There you go. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> what are some other ways that we can focus and or like eliminate choice. I know we've talked about clothing, we've talked about sleeping in clothes, talked about shutting ourselves off from outside influences in terms of how you book the flight, but maybe what's what's something people don't realize they have the ability to eliminate choice in their life around and they just don't sit down and and block it off. Yeah, I mean the easiest way to do that is to think about, you know, so I had a friend who um always wanted to get up early and go to the gym every morning and she never did it and I always asked her, you know, why don't you? No, I'm just so tired and on the time I'm like, well, what are you doing at night? She's like, oh, I'm just, you know, I try to go to sleep. And I look and I'm seeing she's on Facebook at like one in the morning, right? I'm like, well, you know, if you kind of didn't do that, right? So the, the question becomes the easiest way to eliminate choice is, again, play that tape forward. Ask yourself how you're going to feel. If I do this now, how am I going to feel then, right? Or if I go, if I allow myself to do this, I'll give you a perfect example. I, I, I do keynote, corporate keynote speeches all over the world. And my contract is pretty simple. It says, basically, you'll pay me and you'll pay my expenses and I'll come speak. Except in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, I have a rider on my contract that says that I will only do a keynote between the hours of 12 noon and 2 p.m. And, or 12, 12, 12 noon and, and, uh, and 1 p.m. So I'll either start at 12 or I'll start at 1. So a lunchtime keynote. And um, I do not have to be on the ground in Las Vegas from wheels down to wheels up for more than eight hours. And I've missed a couple of keynotes that way. But the reason I keep that on my contract is that it forces me to not have to spend a night in Vegas either before the speech or after the speech. Now, I'm, am I going to do something stupid like gamble away my, my kid's college fund? No, of course not. But, you know, I also know that I have a very addictive personality. And with that addictive personality comes the, the potential of who knows, right? Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen if I 
happen to find myself with three hours to kill in Vegas, right? Or if I happen to find myself uh, unsupervised for a night, you know, could I justify going to the blackjack table, sitting down for five hours, and then, well, then I'm not getting enough sleep, then I'm not waking up and going to the gym in the morning, and then I'm not feeling my best when I have to give that keynote, do I want that? The answer is no. So I don't allow myself to get into that position. So you ask yourself, what can you do to avoid getting into a space where you have to make a choice between yes or no? Um, the, the great line from the movie War Games, the only winning move is not to play. So how do you avoid having to play? Yeah, I like that. And I like that movie too, by the way. <laughs> uh, making a movie list here during a podcast. How is there that? Is. How is that happening? Yeah, that's a really great point. That's like almost the eliminating a whole realm of choices, not just specific ones. It's like, no, you know what? I'm not going to even let myself be in that situation. Exactly. And then for me, that's really the best way to do. It. You know, it's the joke is. Uh, so I quit drinking a few years ago, not because I was like some massive alcoholic, or whatever, but because I, I didn't like how I felt when I woke up the next morning, right? Specifically because I don't have the again moderation. I don't have the ability to have one drink. So I'd go out, I'd have one drink, and one drink would turn into seven drinks. And I again, I wasn't doing it to get drunk. I was doing it because there was alcohol there, just like that leftover pizza, right? So how do you avoid having that second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth drink? Don't have the first. So I quit. Yeah, yeah. And another reason, I mean, another thing you're talking about here is the whole idea of you know, if you want to be somebody who's going to set up your day the right way and be productive and hit the ground running, then you need to be getting sleep because and sleeping, not just getting sleep, but sleeping well, especially for us, especially for us who get distracted quickly and easily when we're just a little bit groggy. Oh, my gosh. Just no question. About there's it. A, I'm, I am drunk, basically. The ability to get a good night's sleep has radically, radically changed my life. I used to be one of those guys, oh, I'll get three hours, I'll feel great. I'm an idiot, <laughs> right? Once I learned that I could, you know, that, that, that eight hours a night can totally change your life, it's like, holy crap, this is massive, you know? And now I will force myself. Like, I put my daughter, I'm a single dad, I'll put my daughter down at like 8.15, she'll be out by 8.30, I'm out by 9. See ya. Oh, that sounds so good to me. My kids fight it so much that it's like, it takes me a while to unwind from the point that they're down between 8.30 and 9-ish, that it's like usually 9.30 to 10, but I'd love it to be 8.30 to 9 for sure. Well, she's four years old now, so I'm doing it, I'm getting it for as long (laughs) as I possibly can. I know that's not going to last. She's, uh, she doesn't, I figure the second she learns how to tell time, I'm screwed. (laughs) Some people are like, oh, I can't do that. How are you able to lay down and go to sleep so quickly and get good sleep when you've just put her down so quickly before you try getting up at three 30 in the morning. It'll, yeah, it'll, you won't have a choice. A lot of what I'm hearing you talk about though, here is you're basically identifying, which is a huge step in and of itself, but then also either eliminating or minimizing your triggers. Oxygen mask. You have got to put on your own oxygen mask before helping others. If I can't do those things, there's no way I could be the best for anyone else or even the best for myself. So I got to focus on being the best for myself. And that starts by eliminating. The more you eliminate the triggers, the less you have to question. It's just like elimination of choice, right? Yeah. If I only have two, two types of clothing in my, in, my, in my closet, that's what I'm aware. If I don't have those triggers in front of me, I don't have to sit there and justify why I shouldn't do it. Done. And that's a huge portion of the procrastination method, which we, which we are able to do lightning fast and, and everybody else as well for that matter. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. You know, it's, and again, it comes down to the fact that one of the big things that, that, that I've realized for someone with ADHD but also works amazingly for other people is that um, I need deadlines. You know, it's funny because I, I like working on my own. I like working on my own. I, you know, I'm, I've been on, an entrepreneur going on 20 years now, but 
and not ha- haven't had a boss, but I need deadlines. I need a client or someone or my assistant or whatever to tell me, you have to get this back to me by Thursday at 4 p.m. Because if I don't have that, what happens is I start working on it, then I get another assignment or another thing to do, and then that takes priority, right? So nothing winds up getting done. So you have to have deadlines. Soon is not an actuality. You have to have a deadline. It's really a change in perspective, ultimately. It is very, very empowering when you have a deadline. Because the second you have a deadline, you're like, okay, I have to get this done at this time. It's, I think it's why I like racing and, and triathlons so much. It's because when I sign up for them, there's a number there mm-hmm. on that calendar that says, hey, you have to get this done by this date, no choice. And some people, you know, deadlines don't work for them. They find ways to say, oh, no, I'll, I'll do it at the last minute. Do you find yourself doing things at the last minute? Well, I mean, you gave the story about your, you know, booking the flight last minute, but it was still in advance enough. I'm talking like you find out something's due tomorrow and you completely flaked on it. It's funny. Once I have a deadline, it goes in the calendar and I live my life on the calendar. So I usually don't have a problem with that. Um, the issue becomes when I somehow screw up the calendar. So I gave my assistant full control over my calendar. I no longer have right access to my calendar. So if I want to do something or if I have to do something, I have to tell her, ask her for permission, and then she puts it nice. on the calendar. But it's, you know, it, 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 you give up the responsibility, but it's the greatest thing in the world. I love that you're, you're, giving that per, you, you, the, you're giving the ability or the authority, I should say. I love that you're giving the authority to her and then – you're, you have to ask per, for permission, which is another safeguard. It's another one of those, you know, guardrails. It is. And again, it's, it's, it's living my life the way I want to. It's, it's, it's almost a, a um, what do you call it? jumbo shrimp. I'm totally spacing on the word. A jumbo shrimp is a, you know, one of those things that sounds like exactly the opposite that it actually is. Um, yeah, uh, oxymoron. Oxymoron. Thank you. It almost sounds like an oxymoron in the respect that I'm giving myself constraints and rules to live the freest way I can. Oh, totally. And part of that then is kind of a, a having a delayed gratification muscle built up and kind of learning to unenjoy things like you talk about in the book. Yep, no question about it. You know, and being able to do that also gives you that ability to say, okay, you know what? I could go out and drink tonight, but I know I'm going to feel like crap in the morning and then I'm not going to work out. And so basically that one drink is going to cost me, I'm gonna, that, that six hours of happiness, that three hours of happiness is going to cost me two weeks of happiness. Do I want that? It's simple math. Uh, what are some of the ways that you use tools, like digital tools or analog tools? What are the, some of the uh, analog tools? Uh, we're not just talking pad and paper. We're talking like systems or structures or things like that we've also mentioned already. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I'll give, I'll give you the best digital tool in the world is um, anything that tracks your weight or tracks the number of days you haven't done something. Or if I have a streak going, I will not break that streak, right? So I'm at... As of now, 80, 88 days on my Apple Watch of having beaten my calorie goal, right? Nice. So there's, right? So I can't just say, oh, I'll start again tomorrow. No way. I got 88 days, man. Almost three months. You know? <laughs> so everything has to be about, uh, about doing that. I have to say, oh, well, I'll do this. I'll start that. So you know, the, focusing on the tools that give you the ability to track the data is huge. For me, I also use, I, I use the simple uh, tools of like a great email service called followupthen.com. Anytime I have an idea or something I want to focus on, I put it in follow-up then for a certain date and time, and it, it just emails me that back. And then uh, I can either file it or set it on the calendar or do something with it, but it allows me to get it out of my head and not have to think about it, which could drive me down a rabbit hole. Finally, airplane mode is not just for airplanes. When I go to sleep at night, I shut my phone off. Not just, not just airplane mode, I shut it off, because the 45 seconds it's going to take to power it up you know, is not, I'm not going to wait around for that. So I, if I have to go to the bathroom, I don't look at my phone, I wake up because I'm up at 3.45, 4 a.m. anyway. So by the time I am, I'm obviously going to, uh, 
you know, have more than enough to, to answer whatever I need to there. So I don't have to look at it in the middle of the night. It doesn't mess with me. I love that quote. I'm going to use that. I'm going to yeah. attribute it to, to you, obviously, but airplane mode is not just for airplanes, especially if you think about it almost metaphorically as well, because we're all wanting to get somewhere and we're trying to do certain things and we're getting on a plane to go to that destination, but we then forget to go into airplane mode and focus. Exactly. Uh, what about any uh, other like digital tools that you use? Um, what else do I love? I'm looking at my phone right now. Let's see. I love um, Shazam is actually a surprisingly underrated tool for productivity because when you hear a song, you're like, oh, what's that song? I just click it. Even on my watch, I can just click it and not think about it. It'll grab the song and I can look at it six hours later when I have the time. What else do I love? Um, Healthmate, which is uh, by a company called WeThings. Uh, I think they're, they're owned by Nokia now. That tracks my weight. Uh, it tracks my, again, believe in the data. If I'm trying to lose weight or trying to keep healthy, tracking it makes it real. So that's huge. Um, cannot stress the ability to track it enough. Um, what other things do I love? Um, there is a application on my phone called Forest where I can, uh, in order to plant a tree or to plant a tree to grow in this forest, you have to keep the app open and look at it as if, as you switch to another app, the tree dies. So you have to stay and look at this app <clears throat> for a period of time to let that tree grow. And that focus, that allows you to focus on mindfulness. So I think that's pretty oh, fun. Oh, interesting. So it's, it's kind of like a staring at a screen version of meditation. <laughs> that's interesting. Exactly. Huh. exactly. I'm going to have to check that one out for sure. So that's pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, other than that, I mean, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of, of streamlining everything. So my entire life lives in the Google ecosphere and uh, tends to work. Awesome. Peter, it, it's been great talking with you. Obviously, I want people to go grab the book, and I mean, even more so you do too, but I think it's going to help a lot of people. And again, not just ADHD people who will benefit from this and lean into some of their native superpowers they may be unaware of, but other people can tap into this too. So where can people go? What's the best place for people to go and, and grab the book? Well, the book, you can get the book at fasterthannormalbook.com. Faster Than Normal is actually the podcast that started off the whole idea for the book. Um, that's fasterthannormal.com. It's the number one ADHD podcast on iTunes, so you can find it at Faster Than Normal or just Google it on iTunes. And then um, my entire life is at shankman.com. I'm at Peter Shankman on all of the socials. I encourage people to uh, reach out. Awesome. Peter, thanks so much for being here. It's been great talking with you. Uh, pleasure was most certainly mine. Thanks so much, so I hope whether you do have ADHD or not, that you found something helpful from this conversation. For me, I know that I do not spend enough upfront time ahead of myself to eliminate choices from myself so that I can focus. That's my key takeaway. I wonder what yours is. You can head on over to beyondthetodolist.com slash 192 and leave a comment and let me know. While you're there, if you know somebody who would benefit from listening to this episode like you have, hit the share button. Share it by tweeting it or Facebooking it or good old-fashioned electronic mail. Also, make sure to check out Formstack at formstack.com slash beyond. There you can get a free trial as well as a promo code for 25% off your first three months. Thanks again to Formstack for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. And thanks to you for listening. I mean it. Join me next episode, won't you? I'll see you there.
Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.